Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome in to a somber Sunday edition of the Sox on Tap show. It's Tony on Tap alongside NWI Steve. We're here to talk about more terrible White Sox baseball, as has been the theme all season. Steve, how you doing tonight, my friend? Anthony, I'm continuing to exist. Um, I guess we can take solace in knowing that with their win yesterday, the White Sox officially cannot tie the 1970 team for most losses in a season with 106. The most they can lose is 105. So we got that going for us. Hey, silver linings, man. I, I feel like, you know, it, it's good to know that we won't be alive at least this year um, for, you know, the witnessing of of one of the, the worst seasons in White Sox history. I oh, mean, no, we're going to, we're going to see one of the worst. It's just not going to be the, the worst. worst. Yes. The worst. Uh, you know, I, man, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how your predictions have come, you know, somewhat close to true, if not just blown by your predictions of futility for this, this ball club. Um, and, and we're sitting here right now on the 17th, of September and the White Sox are almost positively going to lose a hundred games. Steve, any thoughts on that? Um, They have, to your point, surpassed even my expectations for dog shit play. I think in my preseason prediction article, I think I had them at 76 or 78 wins. I can't remember what the, what the number was in total, but it was one of, one of those two. For this thing to go off the rails the way it has surpasses even what I thought could go wrong. Um, you know, we were talking about this before we came on. You know, this team has only lost 100 games four times in the history of their franchise, which when you think about the lack of success that they've had, to only have four seasons with 100 losses is kind of remarkable in a sense. Now, this will be the second in a five-year stretch going back to 2018 when they lost 100 games. But, you know, if you would have told me coming into the year that there's a real chance that they could have, <laughs> you know, the second worst season in the history of this franchise, I would have said, I don't think it will be that bad. But here we are. We, we are here. We are, we are definitely here staring that end result in the face as we get – Towards the end of the season here, Steve, um, you know, I, I sort of laughed at your predictions. I, I think Johnny did, too, uh, when we when we first did the season prediction show. I was wrong. I was wrong. I think a lot of people were wrong. This team's bad. Um, but like you said, if, if you thought that this team was going to be this bad, um, I, I'd like to go back to the 10-game losing streak where I was – sitting there thinking, you know, this team will get hot for a stretch. They'll put together some wins. What is our longest win streak this season? Is it three games? I think it's three games. I can't um, remember a, a, a baseball season, even in the rebuild or even in, you know, the period after the World Series when they started to you know, rebuild one point, Rick Hunt rebuild 1.0 where you didn't have like one stretch throughout the entire summer where you weren't like excited about how good the ball club was playing. This was completely flat from start and it will stay flat through the finish. But I, I, 
I can't go through the schedule, Steve, and find a four-game winning streak. Can you? That's why I'm trying to. I'm pulling up Baseball Reference right now, trying to find something here. Um, I feel like at one point there there might have been like a five-game winning streak. Um, I might be wrong here. Like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to, you know, use the the Baseball Reference machine here to see what I can find. But to your points, there there has not been. <laughs> you know, positive things that you can really glean from this. I mean, it's just really been. Um, I think we had one stretch where we were they had like they had they had they, or something. Yeah, they had a five. They yeah, I was right. They had a five game winning streak from Friday, June second to Thursday, June eighth, and that was probably the last time we were happy. I would think so. I mean, that was, you know, that was kind of leading up to. You know, we we were at that weekend series against the Marlins. You know, Luis mm-hmm. Robert Jr. hit the walk off double uh, to win the game on Friday night. I was I was in attendance for that one, and then you know they were up one to nothing in the ninth inning on Saturday. We were we were there when Code Jelly coughed it up, and that would have gotten them to I want to say maybe five below five hundred at that point, and they were kind of starting to show some signs of life at that point. And then it just the the wheels just completely fell off. You know, they they blew those two games against the Marlins. You know, they had the you know uh, Kendall Graveman coughed up the four run lead on Sunday in the ninth inning, and then they went out to L.A. to play the Dodgers. Remember, they had the game where they were up four to nothing at the four solo home runs. Jake Michael Berger hit two bombs in that game. They're up four nothing, and then uh, Chris Taylor hits the grand slam to tie it. And as soon as that happened, you're like, you know, they're losing this game, and it has just been a steady, not even actually, not even really a steady decline, a very steep decline since then. And there hasn't been much positive to talk about. And it's just been a very slow death march. It has. It's, it's, that's a great way to put it a slow death march. Normally we do a, you know, sort of funeral show for the team. This whole entire season has been full of funeral shows for this team. Uh, we got a comment in here from uh, Michael. It's it's probably going to be even worse in 2024. They have one starter along with no catcher, no second base. I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I have a feeling that uh, for all of the talk, and Steve, this is where I want to sort of shift the show to, because we can sit here and break down all the games that took place this week. I don't think there's really much sense in doing so. I know that's normally our routine here on Socks on Tap is is talking about how this team is playing. I'll give a quick synopsis and I'll allow you to do the same. This week was more blah. It was more blah White Sox baseball. There were moments where things looked okay. And there was a lot of moments where things looked like an absolute fucking dumpster fire, which that's been the theme of the season. I don't have much else in terms of how this has looked. Maybe we'll get into some Dylan Cease, maybe a little Mike Clevenger as the show goes on, some starting pitching talk. Uh, but we didn't, I don't think we had a Luis Robert Jr. home run to even talk about. There wasn't a whole lot of anything. I mean, there was some offense that came from uh, the Kansas City series. You snuck one against the Twins in a four game set. Blah, blah, baseball. Steve, any thoughts from this week? And we can sort of focus a little bit more on, you know, the future here because that seems to be the theme of, of what everybody wants to talk about. And that, future is not bright either this team has quit 
I've been saying this for weeks now, and you can see it. And it's they clearly have their vacation plans made for um, was that Monday, October second, whenever the you know the fuck the first day of the off season is for them. Um, you know those guys have their flights to the Dominican or to some other Caribbean island booked, locked, loaded, and they are probably all there mentally already. And it's it's just pathetic to watch. This has been the worst season of my White Sox fandom. And that's saying a lot. Everybody knows I'm I'm older than you. Um I have facts never hated, only. You like to say I, facts only on this show. Yes, you you're you're much older than me. I have never hated a White Sox team this much in my life. And to think I said this exact same thing about the 2022 team. I never hated a Sox team more than I hated that team. And for this team to go leaps and bounds over what that team was a year ago. And it's just like a snowball of shit continuing to roll downhill with this franchise, just continuing to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's kind of leading you to ask the question, when is it going to end? How does it end? And there's not a lot of hope on the horizon here. Um, You know, as Michael was saying in, in the comments here, there's a lot of roster construction problems here. And then, you know, I know I assume we'll probably want to get into some of the commentary from Mr. Clean um, about how they, how they want to build this team going forward. They want, you know, a team full of Chris Getz guys, um, you know, which definitely want to get into those. I, 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 I'm just, I'm just going to preface this right now. Anybody that watched Chris Getz when he played for the Sox or the Royals understands why Chris Getz was out of the league within like four years because he wasn't a good major leaguer. So if that's the guy you're trying to model your team after, you are fucked. Of course, they're going to try and model after their newly hired GM. You know, I, I wanted I wanted to get into those comments and we might as well while we're here. Is, is this the what they came up with when Pedro and, and Chris got sat down for their all important meeting, Steve? Because if that was the result of the meeting. All right, we're going to, you know, how do you think this is going to go? Uh, you know, we're going to model this team after the way I played baseball. That is a giant fucking red flag, giant red flag. And I, I will say, you know, this, you know, comes out from uh, Jim Margulis over at Sox Machine, his article. I don't know if you had a chance to read it. It was it was a great article. Um, but. Wow. I mean, just the the thought of them modeling this after the the Chris Getz style baseball player. They already have that. They already have that. So what's going to change here? Nothing. It's, it's completely asinine. The other takeaway from this article, and I'm probably just hammering Jim's point home is how much of a kiss ass is Pedro Grifol at this point? Because I have not seen a major league manager lick boots the way that Pedro Grifol has licked boots since he's got here. Well, you have to think about this. As lifeless as this team is playing, that is a very poor reflection on him. That is a very poor 
first impression to be making on a newly hired general manager that while yes, he came out and said that Pedro was going to be back in the dugout in 2024, watching this thing over the course of the last couple of months and the last two to three weeks in particular here in the month of September, as we're winding down, it's very clear that again, this team has quit. They are not listening to him. It's very clear that they don't respect him. So he's gone into self-preservation mode, plain and simple. And anybody that's been in a corporate environment or anything else knows that when you are in self-preservation mode, the thing that you have to do is you have to kiss your boss's fucking ass. And in a position like being the for manager, some very interesting quotes. <laughs> oh, 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 it is. Um, and, you know, when you're in a very high-profile public role, the way that a major league manager is, you have to do that publicly almost at every turn. And um, that's what Pedro Grifol is doing at this point. And this fucking clown can't get away from this baseball team fast enough. But it seems pretty clear at this point that we are going to have to endure at least one more year of this nonsense um, I'm still, you know, trying to hold out some modicum of hope that gets will just say, okay, we gotta start fresh. This is this guy's a fucking bozo. He has no idea what he's doing. I don't expect that to happen, but you have to have some kind of hope, right? I mean, none of us thought that Rick Hahn or Kenny Williams were gonna get the boot. So I mean, there's some precedence here. However, I'm more of the mindset, and I could be dead wrong, that Pedro Griffol and Chris Getz are a two-headed monster at this point in time. Because that's certainly how it feels, that they are in lockstep with each other on the design of this baseball team. When you read these quotes, I could see either one of them saying these words about how they're going to design this team you know, we need to, you know, hold each other. How many times have we heard the word accountability or accountable in the last three three weeks? Anthony, even though, I'm, even though I'm gone, you know accountability is not a problem within the White Sox organization. Mr. Reinsdorf, the chairman, he held myself and Rick accountable for our failures this year. We have to own up to those. So anyone that says accountability is an issue within the White Sox simply does not know what they are talking about, and they really need to stay out of White Sox business. And that there is the best Kenny Williams impression on the internet. So we've got that going for us. But I think, Steve, if if we pull back to reality for a second here as a fan, that we, we have ears and eyes on this ball club – uh, the promotion of Chris Getz was almost the admission that there is an accountability problem within the White Sox organization based on the track record that's already there. This was our biggest fear. Our fear has been realized and we're here now. That's why there is no hope. There's no clean slate. There's no fresh start. In fact, I think I said this, the last time I was on the show, or at least to Johnny um, the other night, it, it almost makes you miss Rick Hahn at this point because this is an unknown beast. What are you going to get 
this offseason from Chris Getz that's going to fix any of these problems, especially if we're out there targeting Chris Getz players that are already on this ball club. It's comical how bad that this has gotten. I go back, you had mentioned something just a little bit ago that the 2022 White Sox was your least favorite or most hated White Sox team. And I think you and I were a little at odds throughout that season over where things were. I tried to enjoy that team just knowing that they had some sliver of hope of making a playoff run. This is completely off the rails. We have to sit here next year. It can get progressively worse from this. You're talking about right now a team that can potentially be the worst team in baseball over the course of next season. And maybe you don't even get the wacky headlines that come from this team that have have kept this somewhat interesting. I mean, you've got guns and fat folds going off and arguments over where bullets came from. You've got the firing of your GM and, and vice president of baseball operations or president, whatever the fuck his title was. You had all sorts of wacky stuff go on this season. Next year, I've always asked you this question. Where's the, where's rock bottom? I still feel like I'm on a crane that is falling off a cliff and we have not hit the bottom of the canyon yet. That's where I feel like as a fan, that's, that's, I feel like we're still in mid descent and I'm surprised at how deep the fucking canyon is. Anthony, you ask me this question all the time. Can it get worse? I ask you this because you're older and you know you know more things about I, you know, this stuff <laughs> as a White Sox fan. You've suffered can, longer than I have. I, I have. But the people know. I have. And my response to you is the same now as it has always been. We're White Sox fans. It can always get worse and more than likely will. This is where we're at. There, there is legitimately – no hope. I, I mean, I feel like next year, the the team's theme song should be "All Hope Is Gone" by Slipknot, because it's just very fitting. Because it's very on brand for you. It, I mean, it, look, it's it's a good song. It's a great how many times album. have you listened to that song and thought about the White Sox in the last month and a half? Oh God, I can't even quantify that. I I mean, I'm not even exaggerating when I tell you I had, you know, one day where I listened to the song on repeat at, at both of my gym sessions. So um, I can't even tell you how many times I listened to it that day. I need to start like a tally counter, you know, I, I probably I probably could pull up my Spotify and see how many times I played it that day if I really wanted to. But that seems like a lot of work, to be honest. Just know that it was a lot. It's more home runs than uh, Tim Anderson hit, you know, songs versus that. Tim Anderson home runs, which by the way, which by the way, I, I wanted to revisit this little discussion about, you know, Tim Anderson and where we go from here, because he is a topic of White Sox baseball 2024 and a Chris Getz decision. There's a couple of guys who are going to be Chris Getz decisions heading into next season. And Tim Anderson is one of them. Uh, Mike Clevenger is going to be another, uh, you know, where are you at with some of these guys that are on option years and how do you think that not what you would do, but how do you think Getz is going to handle these going into, uh, next season? 
I personally find it hard to believe that they won't exercise the option on Tim uh, just because they don't have a viable shortstop that they can go with out of camp unless they decide to bring back Elvis Anderson on on another one-year deal, which, you know, look, he's got one, maybe two years off. Why would you want to be around this dumpster fire for the love of God? Um, He seems to like it here. For some odd reason, he seems to like it here, which, you know what? A lot of people have shit on him all season. There's been games where he's one of the only guys in the White Sox lineup that actually looks like he gives a shit. I don't know. I don't know why he would want to be part of this. He should be on a, a somebody's bench coming in and, and just enjoying his time and collecting, you know, a million, two million and, uh, you know, part of a playoff run or at least something like that. I don't know why he bothers. Like, I feel bad for Elvis Andrews at this point, yeah. which shouldn't even be said. But, you, you know, I'll, I'll let leave it back to you. I just feel bad for Elvis. Yeah, so I I fully expect him to be back next year. The Clevenger thing is very perplexing because, you know, that is a mutual option. So, you know, he has the ability to opt out and go test the market. The the interesting dynamic with it, though, is, you know, he was placed on waivers and nobody took a bite on him. And I've heard through the grapevine um, that he is not someone that is well-liked around the game. And that that has kind of been a factor in this because he was throwing the ball very well. And, you know, you could have certainly made the case that he's the type of guy that would have helped teams um, in the playoff mix, you know, down here for the stretch run over the final course of the season. But nobody was willing to deal with that. And so it kind of makes you wonder, would he opt out and go into the market or would he know and, and, t- and take the security of knowing he's got a guaranteed like $10 million payday here with this team. So that's going to be a very fascinating one to watch. And I really, for the life of me, can't peg what is going to happen with that in all honesty. Um, you know, just on the surface level, you would think he would opt out to try to go to another contending team and be able to try to get a multi-year deal. But again, if nobody was willing to bite on that at the waiver deadline, when all they had to do was just pick up the money for the rest of the year, how big of it, how big of a market is he really going to have? There was something contractually with his option that incurred the team that picked him up off of waivers to, to pay extra on that. I'm not sure exactly how all of that worked out, but there was some weird contractual thing that I saw floated out there on the X machine um, that was part of the reason. But, you know, the the not well-liked thing is, is also interesting because I would be of the same mindset that you are here, Steve, that, you know, you see Lucas Giolito get tossed on waivers and Cleveland goes and... Why wouldn't Cleveland take a flyer on Mike Clevenger? That that raises some eyebrows to me. I mean, he's familiar with the city. I'm not sure on what terms he left, but I know, you know, they're at least familiar with the guy and they were trying to pick up pitching. I mean, he's had a better season than Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez was available um, and was passed on there. So interesting. I think he's back in a White Sox uniform next year. Um for some of these same reasons, unless Chris Getz does not want him here. And the team side says, 
know you're back out on the market. But as we saw in the comments, you have one starting pitcher next season. No, it's not Michael Kopech. It's not Mike Clevenger because there's a mutual option. It's Dylan Cease, and he has not looked very good this season, Steve. In fact, uh, today was just another run-of-the-mill start from Dylan Cease, a guy that is one year removed from figuring out and looking like one of the best pitchers in baseball, if not, you know, top five in 2022. Um I don't know how Ethan Katz has a job next season. I'm just going to say it right here, right now. I don't understand how he's got a job next season. This starting rotation fell apart this year. The bullpen was not good. I know you didn't have the benefit of Liam Hendricks there locked in in the ninth inning. Who's improved this year from last year? I can't name anybody. You know, you know, kind of really the only ones you can – really say are Gregory Santos and uh, Keenan Middleton, but the, you know, those are guys that, you know, were waiver claims and, and non-roster invitees over the winter. Um, I mean, if that's, you know, kind of your calling card, that it's not great, <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, that's, that's not really something that you want to put on your resume. No. So I think it's very fair to call into question um, Ethan Katz's job security. And I think, you know, having a year under his belt, um, you know, Pedro Grafol, I've always been bothered by coaches or managers with sports teams being saddled with uh, subordinates from a previous administration. You know, that's something that I, I have never really liked. Um, if they want to have a conversation and if the conversation goes in a manner where they hear what they want to hear and it aligns with their vision for things and they want to keep them on board, that's fine. But they should have the ability to make that decision. Um, with Chris Getz, you know, now talking about trying to you know, redo a number of things within the organization here. If that means um, moving on from Ethan Katz and bringing in a new voice on the major league pitching coach side of it, I'm all for it um, because Ethan Katz has, has left a lot to be desired in my opinion. Um, it's obviously not all on him. I mean, we've got some talent deficiencies here, obviously, but there have been notable regressions. This season, the regression from Michael Kopech over the course of the last two years has been notable. Dylan Cease this year has been notable. Um, you know, Lance you, Lynn had to reinvent himself right. in order to be marketable at the trade deadline. Right. Lucas right. Giolito, who was his calling card, has looked like absolute ass all season. I know he had, I think, a decent start for Cleveland. Uh, what was that, Friday? But like, in general, all of the guys that have Ethan Katz's name on him right now did not have a good season. Yeah, I mean, um, Kendall Graveman, you know, took a step back this year. Ronaldo Lopez took a step back this year. Um, I, I push back a little bit on saying that that Giolito was bad, you know, for the entirety of his time here with the Sox um, in 2023. I, I think that's a little harsh, personally. Um, he did have, he did have a solid start to the yeah, season. Yeah. I, I, you know, and it's not, 
top of the rotation type stuff that you were looking for there. Um, but I would say a good solid quality number three, which, you know, there there's value to that. Um, but certainly not what we saw from this guy, 2019, 2020, you know, so um, that's, that's not great. And, you know, you look at what's going on in Tampa, like look at Jake Diekman and what he's doing uh, down yeah. there, you know, yeah. like now again, that could also speak to some of the greater structural issues within the organization, not allowing guys to be placed in the best position to be successful, to grow and develop. I've talked about this a lot. The Sox have one of the smallest analytical staffs in the entire sport where you look at a team like Tampa that has one of the largest, um, that stuff matters. And I, I know a lot of people like to scoff at that, but it absolutely does. And this team has shown consistently here for much of the last decade plus, they are not able by and large to take guys that have not been successful and turn them around. You might have some momentary um, or, or some you know short-lived upticks in production, but it's not that sustainable and it's not that consistent um, success that you see from organizations like the Rays, like the Dodgers, like my Barbs, even even a team like the Giants. The Giants do a really good job of turning pitchers around. Which, your buyers, your buyers, by the way, got uh, got a little bit torn up. It by, happens. Uh, it happens by yeah, one. Listen, Mr. Jake Berger. Listen, listen. You, 30, know, you know, his thirty three run. You know, listen. They, they've won ninety six. Uh, they've won ninety six yeah. games already. You know, they're they're they've got pretty much home field throughout the NL playoffs locked up. You know, at this point for them, it's it's all about just getting to the postseason healthy. You know, these last two weeks. Um, you know, I mean, every, it's it's fait accompli. For my barbs. Okay, let's just call it what it is. But I'm I'm very happy to see Jake Michael Berger continue to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Fuck you, Ken Williams, you piece of shit. That trade, that trade is gonna go down as just abysmal, I think, by the end of this. Steve, we got a couple of questions here coming in at US Sport Cards. We're the top five guys think we should shut down and wrap in bubble wrap to protect down the stretch. I'll I'll just I'll just say no one at this yeah. point. No one. I mean, no I mean, one. I mean, the only one you can really make a case for is Luis Robert Jr., but you want to see if he can find a way to have a hot stretch these last 12 games and, and get to 40 home runs. Um, none of the rest of them are worth it. No. And, you know, I've, I've seen this thrown around from some people saying, like, shut down Kopech for the rest of the season. And I disagree with that. Throw his – if he's not going to be back in the rotation, throw his ass out there like Brian Shaw is right now and let him figure it the fuck out. I know See, he's had I, a lot of innings. I know this is going to go against everything that you believe in, but just make him figure it out and end the season on a positive note if you can. Um it's probably not going to happen, but I don't know. I, I just don't even think that it's it's worth uh, shutting anybody down at this point. I just think that the whole Kopech situation with, you know, yanking him back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen, I, I just don't think it's a good idea personally. Um, 
he might be we might have seen the best of Michael Kopech in a White Sox uniform. I mean, there's a very high likelihood that that is the situation. You're leaving out the uh, the 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 one thing in a White Sox uniform. You put a qualifier on that. Could he could he be better in a different uniform? Of course, he could go to a smart organization that will say, "Hey, fix this one little thing." And then all of a sudden now he's not walking six and a half guys per nine. Yeah, that should be an indictment on the entire organization. You um, think? And we we should have we should have solved that, I feel like, with the Rickon KW um ousting that took place. But uh yet here here we still are with uh no hope. You were happy for like a good 13 I, hours. I was, man. That was you know, that was one of the best 13 hours I've had in uh the course of a couple, two, three years, man, it was it was the best of times. And then I believe they won that like one game in the middle too without yeah. a GM, and it, yeah. was, it was, was wonderful. We were feeling we were feeling good, you know. We were riding high. I remember it like it was yesterday. We absolutely were. Got another question in here. This is a great one. I love this question. What if anything would generate enough buzz this off season to gain a new season ticket holder for the White Sox? We could have a lot of fun with this question. There's one very simple answer for that. And I think everybody knows what it is. I'm not going to say it, but I'm pretty sure everybody knows what that one thing is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, that's the only option. That's it. There is no second direction. You don't you don't think that there's other things the White Sox can do to gain new season ticket holders this offseason? No. I think there's plenty of things they can no, do. There's not. There's I think not. there's plenty of things they can Anthony, do. They trust, won't do them, Anthony. But there are things they can trust do. Trust me when I tell you. At no point in my all or part of five different decades watching this team have I seen the fan morale be as bad collectively as it is right now. So when I tell you that there is only one thing that can energize this fan base, I mean it. There is but one thing. Yeah, and I'd like to think that if if that one thing happened, it would still I would buy I would, I would buy I would buy I would buy season tickets the following day. I'm not even kidding. You didn't even know what you're getting into yet. I don't care. I mean, you got I, no I, clue, just blindly. Yes, because because and and you know what? You can say it, it it could it could turn out to be really bad, and that's okay. I would take a one year commitment on blind hope, knowing that that fucking cancer is gone. Now, with that said, say they went out this off season and Chris got surprised everybody. And made a big splash signing that shored up, I don't know, pick your position of need because they're all over the fucking diamond at this point. I mean, is there like, they've already said they're not signing Shohei Otani, so that's not going to happen. But, you know, say they go out and they have a very aggressive offseason. Does that re-energize you at all or are you still skeptical? No, I don't know. I'm I'm still in the same boat as you. I, I it would take me a while. There's nothing that they can do from that because they're still going to be 
you know, shopping at Dollar General. That's what they're going to do. And it's just going to Purchase be Chris type players. Yes. Yes. They're going to be shopping at Dollar General. They're just going to be going down a different aisle. That's it. You know, other. You're leaving everybody who's tuned into this show all sorts of shreds of hope <laughs> that next year's going to be better. I mean, I. I hate to say it, but with this team, I feel like I have to be a realist and just think with my head and not with my heart. Yeah, they've they've it's done. Fun. No, it's not. They've done sort of the same thing to me, and I, I hate that, Steve. I'm, I'm going to be honest too. with you. I do sitting too. on this show, like everything that we've we've done in terms of White Sox content and coverage over the past couple of seasons. Uh, has been a tremendous amount of fun, and I enjoy getting on these airwaves and, and talking about the team and doing post-game shows, especially when this team is playing meaningful baseball and there's excitement in the air. Um, you know, I felt like it was it was so short-lived. In because it was. It, it, yeah, it, it was. But, you know, to sit here and, and stare out into the future, if you had a crystal ball and you look at it, and you, you said this a couple of times, I'm now grasping this same crystal ball and looking at it and going, there's just black emptiness, nothing, and there's only like the two fucking white words of Yerman Mercedes' Instagram post in there saying it's perpetually over, you know, just like into inception of of where i look at this team right now and it's really sad and that's why i, I love this question what if anything generates en enough buzz to gain a new season ticket holder for the white Sox? and the reason i love this question is because that is what jerry reinsdorf said his reasoning for firing kenny williams and rick han was it was because he wanted to gain new season ticket holders and somehow some way he managed to fumble this thing and make it worse than it already was. That is impressive. That is impressive levels of bad for a sports team owner in any league to do. And yet he managed to do it because you're right. Fan morale is at an all-time low. I've never seen so much apathy around a team. I mean. I remember that's not long that's ago. a very important word there, and and I don't mean to cut you off there, but that's an yeah, important word because you know a couple of weeks back when Oakland was in town and uh, you know the Oakland sixty eights were in here, um, you know, protesting against John Fisher and, and their ownership group, the contrast in the two fan bases towards their ownerships is really something. That Oakland fan base that is having their team ripped away from them and taken in a U-Haul to Vegas, they have anger, anger towards that organization and towards that ownership. Right now, Sox fans, we have apathy. And that is worse than anger, to be completely honest with you. Um this has been the least dialed in I have been in my life watching this team because there's no there's no compelling reason outside of watching Louise Roberts four plate appearances. 
that's really bad. And, you know, for, for somebody like myself, that this is going to be the first time in a decade that I haven't gone to at least 40 games in a season. And I'm not saying that to try to make myself sound like I'm some great fan or, or whatever, but that was literally what I used to build half my year around. And to now be in a spot, I haven't even been to 20 games this year. I've been to more Barbs games since June than I've been to Sox games. That's pretty telling. It is. And, you know, Steve, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you are. I think I attended my first game since that uh, that June 10th game that we were at earlier on Friday with uh, with our pal Johnny and, and Andrew Kinsler, friend of the show. Uh, and I mean, there was like no reason to even really watch the game. I was a season ticket holder for a couple of years, bought into the rebuild. First time that I had the opportunity to be a season ticket holder of this franchise, which is something that I thought I, Steve, I'll be honest with you. I never thought that I would give up my White Sox season tickets. I never wanted to. I didn't have a reason to renew. And I'm not somebody that sits on this show all the time because I know a lot of people go out on Twitter. Oh, don't renew. Don't do that. I'm not going to tell anybody how to fan. I'm not going to sit here and I'm just talking from my personal experience. It just, I didn't show up to the ballpark this year because it wasn't, it wasn't a fun time. It hasn't been a fun time. That's what people want. And I enjoy, go, I, to be completely honest with everybody who listens to this, I like an empty ballpark. I like no lines. I like being able to go there and watch baseball without having to miss most of the game standing in a line for a beer, waiting for bathroom, waiting for food, waiting for any of that shit. I like an empty ballpark. I have not made it a point to get out to a Sox game in a couple of months over summer and still watch this team on TV, get to go you know, play golf once a week, twice a week now, do all these other things. It's sad. It's sad because there's no hope. There's no reason outside of, like you said, Luis Robert. They had one of those reasons to tune into a game. I thought Jake Berger was a reason to tune into a baseball game. They traded him away for a guy that may or may not wind up even pitching an inning at 35th and Shields. That is hard for somebody to understand, especially when you're sitting there saying, this is not a rebuild. Don't fucking look at us and, and act like we are crazy or, you know, holding the franchise back because we don't want to come out and support a team that is actively doing things ass backwards from the rest of Major League Baseball. And I love that you brought up the Oakland 68s. I love that you brought up how angered they are because right now I'm sitting there looking at the calendar and I've had this conversation with you. We might be in that same fucking boat in three or four years from now where they're going to move. And do you think that anybody like, – it, it scares the living piss out of me that you've got people out there on Twitter, go, goodbye, get out of here. Because guess what? If that's what's going to happen, there are plenty of White Sox fans who used to be season ticket holders through this last rebuild that will just say, sayonara, get the fuck out of here. 
I don't care. Goodbye. Good riddance. I'm going to do other things. I think you and I are very invested in this team. There's a lot of other people who are too, that would be very sad. But if you go up and you go into generations past us, who've dealt with Jerry Reinsdorf, who's dealt with this organization as a fan, they're pissed off. Something needed to change. They had the perfect opportunity to do so just a couple of weeks ago. And I think right now you talk about rock bottom and this is why I feel like it can fall even further is there's so many people who were invested in this. They had, remember when Tim Anderson said, this is the place to be on Friday night before you go out afterwards. It's not even a place to be on Friday night anymore. And that's a huge fucking problem. I still think about the 2019 season, the team that won 73 and 89. I had so much fun at the ballpark that year. They didn't win. They didn't, they were short on talent, but they were fun. There were, there were a lot of nights when I would go to the ballpark and, and even if the result wasn't what I wanted it to be, I enjoyed being there, being in the environment, taking in the sights and the sounds of being at a baseball game and having a level of hope and optimism for what it could be. That doesn't exist right now. It it feels like a fucking morgue in that place. When I was in Atlanta six weeks ago watching my barbs, the contrast in the environment there versus at 35th and Shields, it was night and day. That place was a buzz three, four hours before the game. You go to the battery there, everybody's amped up, everybody's ready to go because they all have this mindset of whose fucking ass are we kicking tonight? I like... I don't even want that, Steve. Like I do. I, I know we, we want that. But what I'm going to say is there's 25 teams that are out there that play respectable baseball most nights and at least make it fucking interesting. You can win 75 to 80 games and, and make it interesting enough. The Kenny Williams fucking piecemeal together teams with one or two guys who are going to go out there and you, you think they've got a chance to hit a home run tonight. That's more interesting than what we fucking have right now. Because you don't have that semblance of hope. You don't have fans who are interested to come out there and support the team. In fact, most of the White Sox fans that we, we know and talk to hate this team. They hate this team. That's not how it's supposed to be. This was one of the biggest marketing scams I think I've ever seen in my life. A bunch of guys who don't go out there, they don't hustle, they don't care, they quit on the manager. I And to that fault, I almost feel bad for Pedro Grafal, but guess what? You signed up for the job, you fucking do it, you get it done, you find a way. This is, it's beyond comprehension how apathetic White Sox fans are right now because of all of the factors that went into this thing. Yeah, I um, I don't really have anything to add to that other than this just fucking sucks. And I mean, gotta, I, are you are you going to go to opening day next year? I, I, had will, to ask you this I, I will still go to opening day. Yes, I will go to opening day, and then the barbs come in that second 
series right after the you know the opener against Detroit. That might be it for me in April. <laughs> Which you know, I was I was in a You know, the Blackhawks, the Blackhawks might be doing stuff in April. I know that they're, you know, not fully done with their rebuild yet, but I'm I'm waiting for the stocks to fall to the lowest point in Chicago sports fandom cuz you know people are still going to Man, the Bears, man, that's that's a different thing. I've got wait for your Bears. It's a real tough scene, you know. You know, it, it's you know, you you just you hate to see it happen. And you know, I was just having a blast on Twitter.com, making you know the fucking lowest of the low on that website. You know, get their panties in a fucking bunch because their quarterback fucking sucks. You know, and I had to call them out on it. You know, it just and 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 making these you know fucking scumbag pieces of shit cry about it it was great i loved it the Sox are quickly headed to the basement of chicago sports very quickly headed to the basement of chicago sports and it's sad to see maybe maybe there's something up this organization's sleeve that we don't see but i doubt it <laughs> i doubt it as as much as you do steve any final thoughts before we get on out of here on somber sunday talking about white Sox baseball my final thoughts are um i'm getting on a plane tuesday morning i'm going out west and i'm actually going to be in oakland watching the a's and the mariners on tuesday night um before I continue my tour across the state of California for the week. So I don't know how much I'm going to see next week of the series in Washington, D.C. or in Boston. And I can't say I'm upset about it. And that tells you all you need to know. It should be appointment television in the middle of a contention window. And yet here we are. And that, again, another indictment of how this whole thing went, but we don't need to tell you that. Steve, my final thoughts are this. I'm angry. Angry as I think I'll ever be, but as you've told me many times, it can always get worse. So I feel like there's going to be a lot more angry words on these airwaves coming out of my mouth about this organization in the next few months, maybe years. Who the hell knows? Hope that's not the case. There's always a chance to right the ship, but uh, man, they've made some moves that uh, don't really have me all too confident that they can do so. Uh, be sure you're following the show at Socks on Tap on Twitter.com or X.com, whatever that is now. Uh, you can follow Steve at NWI underscore Steve, myself at Tony on Tap. We will be back at some point to talk about more horrible White Sox baseball. We'll try and get a Wednesday show in this week as we wind down the season. I can't wait for off-season content, Steve. I think you and I have got some some things rolling in the in the content factory. We, we are, we are. We think we've got some some plans to do some stuff this off-season that uh, will keep some people entertained uh, in White Sox land. So we'll uh, hopefully those come to fruition, Steve. We need to. Uh, set a little meeting and get, you know, you know, just start to hammer some of this stuff out and work out the details on it. But it's uh, a brass tack situation. Yeah. It, it, it could be real fun to uh, go through this little exercise that we proposed the other night. 
you know, a couple beers need to be had and we'll, we'll figure out the final details. But with that said, that's all for somber Sunday, Steve, thanks for hopping on and talking white Sox baseball. Thanks to those who joined in the comments, subscribe to the YouTube, youtube.com slash on tap sports net. Be on the lookout for some Blackhawks content. I know I'm excited about that. Connor Bedard hat trick in the uh, prospect tournament. He's our only hope, baby. He looks great. Can't wait to get to the UC um, and uh, get, uh, you know, some experiences out there with an organization that seems to care about their fans and can do things the right way. Uh, If you're a Bears fan, check out Bears on Tap. You can commiserate more about Chicago sports over there with our guy, uh, Buckus Dats, Quentin, uh, Ron Luce, and Juice on Tap. Uh, and then bowl season is coming back to another Jerry Reinsdorf run organization. If you want to commiserate there, our guy Buzz and uh, Goose have you covered over there as they get underway. Steve, always a pleasure, my friend. White Sox, for some reason, forever. White Sox for life.